Welcome back to Cherry Becker's Government and Public Sector podcast series. This will be the fourth and final podcast in our mini-series about SFAS 54 leases. Please be sure to check out the first three parts of the series wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Danny Martinez. I'm the Government and Public Sector Accounting Advisory Lead in Cherry Becker. Our group assists with things such as audit readiness and remediation, as well as implementation of new accounting standards. On today's podcast, we're going to be covering phase four of leases implementation, which is reporting, disclosure, and go forward. So inputting your leasing information into a software solution, creating the journal entries both for the first year and a go forward basis, uh, your required disclosures, as well as presenting um, your go forward policies and procedures around leasing transactions uh, to all stakeholders. We are very excited to have Jason Parker from Lease Query as our guest today to help us discuss this final phase of implementation. Jason, would you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. And thank you, Danny. And also a thank you to Cherry Beckert for having me uh, this afternoon. Um, As Danny mentioned, my name is Jason Parker, and I serve as a senior alliance manager at Lease Query. I oversee all of the relationships that Lease Query develops with CPA firms like Cherry Beckert. And I also spent a decent bit of my time at Lease Query as our lead solutions consultant. So I have a significant product expertise as well as a background in external auditing prior to my time at Lease Query. So I'm very excited to be here talking SFAS 54 with you, Danny. Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Jason. So to set the stage from previous podcasts, you know, we've worked through learning about the standard, uh, identifying uh, the complete and the completeness of your leasing population, developing your policies and procedures. But really, one of the biggest concerns that federal entities have is, okay, how do I book this thing? What's going to look different starting fiscal year 24 as far as uh, booking these transactions? So in some cases, they're going to be having to add new accounts, right? Leases receivable, unearned revenue, uh, lease liability, interest revenue, uh, lease asset, amortization of that lease asset. So with all of those accounts and the new entries that are being made, you know, this this is an error that could be prone to, to human error. So I'm sure you've seen examples of people, you know, attempting to do this through Excel or some other type of manual process. So my first question for you is, I was wondering if you could share with the audience why a reporting tool is so important and and what type of challenges a reporting tool solves related to Elisa's implementation? Yes, excellent question to start with. I I feel like there's really three areas that we can assess here. So one of them would be ensuring that there are proper controls surrounding these new accounts. Of course, any material balance sheet or income statement value, it's important for organizations to have proper controls surrounding the journal entries that get booked. But then I also think there's another aspect of the leasing standard that's really just the amount of time that it takes to pull all of the lease information together and make sure that you have all of the necessary data points. You've obviously addressed a lot of that in previous podcasts, so I won't go into too much detail there. But then I think the third piece is the complexity 
of the accounting itself from a technical perspective. So that's one of the things that I want to mention. But if we revert back to the discussion surrounding internal controls, of course, trying to utilize an Excel spreadsheet, especially with the potential volume of leases that a lot of agencies have, there's no real ability to assess whether somebody at varying levels within the organization has properly assessed whether the information taken from the contract to the spreadsheet is accurate. And then once you put together an amortization schedule, you have to then take that information and manually input it into a general ledger system. And even if you have accurate information within an Excel spreadsheet, if you are manually taking information from that spreadsheet and then transporting it into the GL, you run the risk, as you mentioned, of significant human error. And again, I think one of the concerns that a lot of agencies have expressed is that a lot of the key information that they need to book these journal entries is not currently living within their ERP system because most of these contracts did not require any sort of real accounting outside of just booking an expense whenever you made a payment. So I think making sure that you have the proper control system in place so the appropriate people are assessing the document and then approving the actual accounting that gets done i think that will significantly reduce the risk surrounding the booking of the journal entry but then another piece of this too as i mentioned is the complexity of the accounting obviously if we just think about the lease payments that get included in either the lease liability balance or the right to use asset both of these are new accounts that these agencies have to understand what they actually mean and what they consist of it's not just necessarily the fixed base rent payments that are required to be made in a lease it also might include future changes to those payments going forward if those changes are based off of say in indices like the cpi value and then there's also for example lease incentives and i like to use the lease incentives piece as a simple example here when an agency adopts sfast 54 in october a lease incentive that they have either already received in the past or say a lease that begins after they adopt SFAS 54, say they receive a lease incentive upfront in the contract, that lease incentive has to reduce the value of the opening right to use asset so that they reduce the amount of expense that they recognize over the term of the agreement. That is just one of a variety of different nuanced requirements related to the payments for a lease. And what a system like say a lease query or any technology that automates lease accounting, what it does is it prevents an agency from having to make sure that everyone involved in the project is a true ultimate expert of SFAST 54. If you're trying to do this in Excel, you have to know exactly how an incentive impacts the ROU asset, and you have to make sure that anyone involved in the project also knows how to appropriately adjust those amortization schedules. But if you're using a technology, the technology prompts you to input the data from the contract. So 
if you have an incentive. You input the amount into the technology and the technology automatically reduces the value of the ROU asset. So there's a lot of automation in what those calculations look like, which again leads to a reduction in risk when you actually go to book those journal entries. So I think that's one example I always like to share. There are many others certainly that we could get into though. Right, there's a couple of things that I'd like to build on with, with your answer there. Uh, the first, you, you touched on volume. Yeah, I think that's really important uh, to em emphasize with, with federal agencies, because sometimes we have these smaller state and local governments and they ask, you know, at what lease volume can I do? I need to go from an, an, an Excel to, you know, to a, a leasing software. And, you know, my answer is beyond maybe a few, you know, it, it really can become cumbersome even when we get into the teens. And so when you're talking about these really large uh, federal agencies, Having to manage uh, the level of volume, it would it would be a significant challenge um, outside of utilizing a, a leasing software. And then the second point you touched on is complexity. You know, sometimes when you if you want to do these entries and you say, well, I can discount back to to present value and get get the calculation. And sure, maybe you can do that for a a straightforward lease. But when you run into some with incentives or you get two, three years down the road, you need to do a lease modification or an early termination, you know, you can really uh, get yourself stuck pretty easily in, in trying to figure out, okay, in this specific scenario, how do I need to modify this table to, to get the, the calculations that I need? So Jason, our listeners are primarily concerned with the federal version of the leasing standard. And so while a lot of statement 54 languages is kind of lifted, from the GASB, GASB standard, you know, you can see about 80% of the GASB standard kind of utilized uh, for, for statement 54. There are still some nuance, nuances related, like the 24-month short-term uh, exception or those intergovernmental leases that are specifically uh, particular to federal. Uh, so is lease query configured to address the federal version of the statement? Yes, absolutely. And I do think both of those that you mentioned are actually some of the first items that come to mind where lease queries tool is designed to ensure that you comply appropriately with that short term lease qualification in both directions. So if you suggest that a lease is short term, but it's say uh, 36 months, we're going to provide a notification that suggests, hey, if your lease term exceeds 24 months, it's actually not a short-term lease, so we'll prevent you from making that error. But the same would go for the opposite direction. So if you input that a lease is not short-term, but it's actually 20 months, our federal functionality would suggest that based on SFAST 54 requirements, a short-term lease actually would extend out to that 24-month period. And we do have the ability to scope out intergovernmental leases as well. And I would also point out too, we even go as far as changing the nomenclature associated with some of the clauses. So for example, in the GASB 87 standard, when you're thinking about the probability of exercising your option, such as a renewal option or purchase option, the terminology is typically thought of as whether you are reasonably certain to exercise these options. But within the federal standard, the threshold changes a little bit and they utilize the term probable to exercise and probable versus reasonably certain. Those are two separate thresholds. Now, 
the system itself is not automatically deciding whether you are probable to exercise, of course, because there is unique judgment involved in that decision making. But we do make sure that you understand that there is a difference between the federal standard versus the governmental standard or the state and local governmental standard in that sense. And unrelated necessarily to federal or even governmental itself, Lease Query also does have a large number of clients utilizing the system for the international accounting standard, IFRS 16. And what I think is unique about Lease Query is each one of these standards that we comply with, we actually develop an entire workflow associated with that standard, as opposed to just sort of copying and pasting the backend code associated with our other standards and relabeling. Because even with the international standard, evaluating for say a low value asset or even evaluating what is required to be disclosed related to low value assets. That's just one example of something that's very unique to the international standard. And I think the success that we have had in each one of those individual markets showcases that we do take our time when we build out these various standard functionalities to make sure that we have what each individual standard requirement would need. And I think also too for federal agencies, and this is similar to state and local government, but we are equipped to handle any of the unique dimensionality requirements. Obviously we understand that all of the agencies have quite a dynamic uh, grouping of sub-agencies, departments, funds, et cetera. So we do have the capabilities of handling the allocation of all of these leases across whatever dimensionality is necessary. Perfect. Yeah, that that term that terminology piece is, is a really good thing to to point out. You know, we uh, in our advisory group, we've helped a lot of state and local governments with lease implementation, and and now as we transition and starting to help uh, federal governments. You, know, you just got to make sure that you get your words right, right? You're you're talking, you're not talking about reasonable certainty anymore. You're talking about probable. You're not using uh, the deferred inflow of resources. You're talking about unearned revenue, and so being able to have that language, um, you know, in the leasing software will, helps people to know. Okay, I know what I'm dealing with. I understand um, how I need need to account for this on on the federal side. So our main goal with this phase of, of implementation is really to have those journal entries and the, those disclosures uh, that we need for our financial statements. But in addition to you know running those standard journal entries and disclosures, uh, in your experience, what other types of reports or informations have uh, state and local or, or federal governments utilized for operational or other needs now that they know that they have all of this data within uh, the software that they can uh, pull out and extract and, and sort in different ways. Yeah, yeah, we do always tell anyone that we're speaking to about Lease Query that although the initial focus often is the accounting functionality, it's a great opportunity for the organization to enhance just their overall operational reporting related to their lease portfolio, especially when we hear from the federal side a lot of these agencies just simply do not have the systems in place today that store a lot of the necessary lease information, not only that they need for accounting, but just some of the qualitative information that's helpful for reporting purposes. And just to go over a quick list of various reporting capabilities that an agency could utilize a lease query for outside 
of those journal entries and financial disclosures you mentioned. But when we think about from a qualitative perspective, just identifying what leases are set to expire. You can filter reporting within lease query to identify all of the leases that expire within a certain time frame. And we can even break things down, say, by the vendor. Imagine if you're renting equipment from multiple vendors, you can get a better assessment of based on the net present value calculation, which vendor are you really getting the best value out of based on the longevity of these lease contracts, as well as taking into account the cash flow that you owe? Because I think a lot of times organizations might just take a look at the current cash flow as opposed to the true longevity of the contract and the present value of those obligations going forward. And then a couple other things too. Um, this allows you to measure cost per square feet and understand maybe from a real estate perspective, what real estate organizations are we getting the most value out of from our property perspective in the same sense that you're evaluating cost per vendor. And then I would say probably two more things I think worth mentioning. One, I like to refer to this as a sensitivity analysis. I'm sure, Danny, that you've worked with some of your clients on sensitivity analysis before, but the idea that depending on what borrowing rate you use for a given lease, it gives you the opportunity to assess the balance sheet impact, whether you were to go up or down from that rate. And having a technology like a lease query allows you to easily change the borrowing rate on a draft lease as many times as you want to and assess what type of impact that actually makes on your balance sheet going forward. Not only does that help from an audit perspective and evaluating materiality of these leases, but also as say the procurement team or whoever is responsible for negotiating new lease contracts going forward, you can utilize a technology like lease query to assess, hey, with specific contractual terms that I am envisioning using, how is this actually going to impact the financial statements going forward? So I like to utilize it as just a planning mechanism for FP&A and figuring out what is the best way that we can structure our contracts from a financial uh, reporting perspective going forward. I've messed around with the, um, you know, the different reports there in lease query. And um, I hadn't really looked at that dollar per square foot. Now that, that sounds interesting. I'm probably going to dig into that a little bit deeper and kind of see uh, what that looks like for some of the clients that, that we're assisting. So we like to conclude by asking our guests to provide one piece of advice that you'd like to give to federal governments, right? They're, they're getting ready. They're starting on their implementation journey. So what is one thing that they may not be thinking about uh, that you'd like to put on their radar? Yes. I. What I would love to say to agencies is that SFAS 54, although it is voluminous and although it is in the grand scheme of things relatively complex for a new accounting standard, it's not astronomy or very rocket science per se that people like to utilize. What it is, it is it is designed to enhance the visibility that external users of the financial statements have into large lease portfolios. And what I would say is if you can just get started accumulating the lease information, educating internal stakeholders, the quicker you get started and the quicker that you find resources 
again, not to plug Cherry Beckard on Cherry Beckard's podcast, but hey, if you can find resources like Danny who can help you organize and create a plan, adopting SFAST 54 isn't going to be the impossible task that a lot of agencies might think it is. Again, it just takes time and effort. But if you can just begin educating the internal stakeholders today and making sure that you have a documented plan in place to store and obtain the information that you need that exists within these contracts, again, I think that this standard, as we've seen from public and private companies uh, under ASC 842, it can certainly be done. I know it's a daunting task, but if you really just think about getting started, that's what I would say is most important right now. Right. Yeah. They say that the best time to start was yesterday. The next best time is is today. Right. So. All right. Thank you, Jason, so much uh, for joining. If you'd like to reach out uh, uh, to Jason or I, uh, you can email me at danny.martinez at cbh.com. You can reach Jason at jason.parker at leasequery.com. Again, Jason, really appreciate you uh, joining us here today. Thank you to the audience uh, for listening. Please subscribe to our, our Cherry Becker podcast series. You should be able to find the other three phases uh, of implementation wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, we have a uh, federal uh, article and webinar that you can find on our website, as well as Lease Query has their own federal page where you can request uh, more information. They also have a great podcast on you know, the federal leasing standard. And be on the lookout this summer for a joint webinar between uh, Cherry Becker and Lease Query. Thank you again so much for your time and have a great day.